Today's Bible passage is going to talk about food. So it should be an easier sell than last week when we had to talk about childbirth. (laughs) Food and I used to have a really good relationship. Like I ate what I wanted and my body took what it got. Like if it was grilled chicken and broccoli, fantastic. If it was Coke and Cheetos, fine. Like the machine just kept working along, appreciative of whatever fuel it was given. But then I found over the past few years that things have changed. (laughs) Um, If I eat too much salt, my blood pressure goes up. Anything acidic seems to be completely off limits. You know, it is both acidic and salty, tortilla chips and margaritas. (laughs) It has been a rough few years for all of us. So food is a huge part of our lives. I feel like a lot of us, we get up, we eat breakfast, and then 10 minutes later, we're like, what should we have for lunch? Like, we're thinking about food all the time. We talk ad nauseum about what restaurant we should go to on the weekend. And then sometimes we go to our doctors, and they tell us we should eat less of food that is fun and more of food that is kale. (laughs) Um, So food's really important to us. It's really important to us. But I want you to imagine for a minute that food was also a critical piece of how we understood what it means to be a good Christian. That it didn't just matter to us in our day-to-day of how much we love food, that it was this critical piece of our faith. And now I want you to imagine that, you know, sometimes, you may not believe it, sometimes churches don't get along. So I want you to imagine that if we didn't get along about what it was okay for Christians to eat or to not eat what was acceptable to God or not acceptable to God, And this is the situation that Paul was writing to in the letter he sent to the Romans, to the church in Rome. And that's what we'll read from today. So on the one side, we have a group of Christians, and they say we are free in Christ, so we can eat whatever we like. It doesn't matter because of what Jesus has done. Anything is okay. But on the other side, there were a group of Christians who felt like, you know, some foods might still be off limits. Some of them have been raised in the Jewish community where there were foods that were clean and unclean. Others were Gentile converts. And in that community, sometimes food was sacrificed to gods and goddesses and these pagan rituals. And then they'd eat that food. And now that they were Christians, they thought that just, that didn't feel right to them to eat it. So we don't fight maybe about food today in the church, unless it's like the last lemon square at the potluck, then it's every person for themselves. But this has more to do with us today than it might seem at first glance. It has implications for us not only here as a church, but in the rest of our lives and how we live, too. So with that background, we're going to take a look at Romans chapter 14. Romans 14. Paul writes this. Let us, therefore, no longer pass judgment on one another. All right, so both of the groups we just talked about were not only really committed to what they believed, but they were absolutely convinced the other group was wrong. So the eat-anything group was judging anyone who refrained from eating certain things. For them, they felt like that was a lack of faith. Like, if you really believe what Jesus has taught us, then you should eat anything you want. It's a way that you show your faith. The only eat certain foods group looked at this group and could not believe what they were eating and judged them for that too. So you can imagine the tensions building up because all of these people are in the same faith community. And Paul writes to them and says, let us no longer pass judgment on one another, but resolve instead 
never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of another. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. So after telling both sides, stop it, don't judge each other anymore, Paul turns to this group that eat anything Christians and talks directly to them. He says, look, look, I know that we're free to eat whatever we want because of Jesus. I know there's nothing we can eat or drink that will change how much God loves us. Those other guys, they don't feel that way, and it's becoming a problem for them in their faith. If they think it's unclean, it's unclean for them. And then he goes on. He says, verse 15, if your brother or sister is being injured by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. Do not let what you eat cause the ruin of one for whom Christ died. So do not let your good be spoken of as evil. So just because you can eat whatever you want doesn't mean you should, especially if it's hurting somebody else. The right to eat whatever you want wasn't nearly as important to Paul as their responsibility to other people. For Paul, it, it wasn't about, you know, can you eat meat? Can you not eat meat? Is it clean? Is it unclean? It was about the community. And then he powerfully reminds them that the people that they are fighting with are also the ones for whom Christ died. It's not the other side. It's not those crazy people. It's the ones for whom Christ died. Freedom in Christ was important to Paul, but walking in love mattered more. So for Paul, the limit of freedom is love for others. The limit of freedom, even freedom in Christ, is love for others. Paul goes on, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The one who thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and has human approval. Let us then pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Paul says, what's the most important thing in the kingdom of God? Is it food? Some of us are like, I mean, it's kind of important. But is it food? Is that really what matters the most? Is, is it worth having whatever you want for lunch if it's going to destroy the thing that God is building? Or is what matters most righteousness and peace and joy? Is it creating a community together and building one another up? All right, Paul goes on. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for you to make others fall by what you eat. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that makes your brother or sister stumble. The faith that you have, have as your own conviction before God. Blessed are those who have no reason to condemn themselves because of what they approve. But those who have doubts are condemned if they eat, because they do not act from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. All right, what's he saying? Paul says again, I agree with you, folks over here. I agree with you that all food is clean. But it becomes a problem to eat it when it causes a problem for your brothers and sisters 
in Christ. If they think it's wrong to eat it, and they go to dinner at your house and you're eating it, so then they eat it, but they think it's wrong to eat it, then it essentially makes it wrong. Not because it's wrong in and of itself, because they're doing something they think is wrong, and that's not an act of faith. Does that make sense? So Paul says they're doing something they think is wrong, and you've put them in that position. All right, Paul goes on. We who are strong ought to put up with the failings of the weak, not to please ourselves. So from Paul's perspective, he's going to start talking about the strong and the weak. And the strong for Paul are the ones that are eating whatever they want. And the weak are the ones who are not. But the English translation of this particular verse is, again, a little complicated. He says, we who are strong, and he says, ought to put up with the weak. Ought to put up with. Now, when I hear that, I think, like, we put up with that person that we have to have lunch with, that, like, we really don't like. <laughs> you tolerate them. But in the Greek, it really is more of a, like, help or support. Like, put them up. Come up underneath them and help them. And then it says the failings of the weak. But this, I mean, we hear failings and we think failure. Like, they failed. But again, in the Greek, that's not the word. The word is more a sense of, of powerlessness. That they need help. They need support. So you could read this verse. We who are strong ought to help and support the weak in their powerlessness. That feels different to me, what we're called to do. Verse 2, each of us must please our neighbor for the good purpose of building up the neighbor. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. So Paul brings us all back to Jesus. He brings it all back. And he says, Jesus could have done whatever he wanted, Jesus had all the power, no limits at all. What would you do? What would I do if we had no limits at all? We could do anything we wanted. No limits at all. He said Jesus could have done anything he wanted. He had the ultimate freedom, but he put himself under the limits of becoming one of us. The Son of God, almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-God became human. God put that kind of limits on God's own freedom as the Son of God because his love for us was more important than his freedom. Verse 4, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the early church community fought about food. They're fighting about food. And Paul goes to them and says, what's the most important thing? What's the most important thing? Is it food? Or is it doing whatever you want? Is it food or is it loving other people? Is it food or is it loving other people the way that Jesus loves us? Is it steak and potatoes? Or is it sacrificially putting limits on their own freedom to strengthen the faith of someone else and build unity in that community? Today, the Presbyterian women picked the theme, One Another, and they asked us to, you know, think about that in the message today, one another. And the Bible, actually, especially in the New Testament, uses that phrase, one another, 
a lot, a lot. Yeah, it says we forgive one another, we care for one another, we lift up one another's burdens. But this one in Romans really stuck out to me. And with the verses we just read in Romans 14, 19, it's for peace and for mutual upbuilding. And another translation of that is, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. So for us then, to build up one another, to do this passage from Romans, we have to let Paul ask us the same question he asked them. What's the most important thing? Your freedom, do whatever you want, whenever you want to do it, or your love for others. Because when we love other people the way Jesus loves you, that means your freedom has limits. Your freedom is limited by your love. You can do whatever you want, but you can't do whatever you want all the time and love other people. They're incompatible. I mentioned earlier that I can't eat anything fun anymore. <laughs> it's very sad. But Dave Collins, he can eat anything. <laughs> like, his stomach works for him. Doesn't matter. He can eat anything he wants, and his body just keeps on going. Like, don't even miss a beat. And Dave actually does a lot of the cooking in our house. Like, full disclosure, he's way better at it than I am. <laughs> so I do the dishes. Um, and Dave, because he could eat anything he wants, Dave could cook anything he wanted for dinner. He has the freedom to make anything he would like and to eat it. And you know what he chooses to make most days of the week? Kale. Kale. You know, if you ever wonder if someone loves you... <laughs> Find out you need to eat a lot of kale and have him make a lot of kale, and you'll know. Kale. And, you know, in all honesty, he can make kale, and it's actually delicious. Like, I've come to love it. But he makes kale because he knows it's what I can eat, what my body needs me to eat. He's chosen to let his freedom to eat whatever he wants be limited by his love. You have a lot of freedom in your life, each of you. I know that we have you know, things we have to do and places we have to go. We feel like... You know, we don't get to do what we want all the time, but you have freedom all the time. You have choices you're making every day about what you eat, what you drink, and what you wear, and where you go, and how you spend your time, and how you talk to people. You're making a million choices every day. And even more, you have complete freedom in Jesus Christ. There is nothing you can do that will change how much God loves you. Nothing. There's nothing you can do to earn it. You have the freedom from the powers of sin and death because of who Jesus Christ is. You don't have to earn it, and you, you couldn't if you tried. It's done. And if that was all that mattered in your walk with God, this would be so easy. We could be like, it's been done. Believe in Jesus. That's the end. We don't talk about it anymore. You have complete freedom. It could be the end of this conversation. But there are other people in your life. You're not an island. You have friends that you spend time with, family members that you live with or go to visit. Some of you go to work and you have coworkers you gotta exist with. Then you come here and you have your church. And when the people around Jesus who also lived around other people went to him and asked him, the people from the church who asked him, Jesus, what is the most important thing? The same questions that was coming out of the Church of Rome, the people around Jesus asked too. They said, Jesus, what's the most important thing? What's the greatest commandment? What do he say? He 
said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And we said, that's good. That's it. That's all we need to hear. Love God. Got it. (laughs) He didn't stop there, did he? Jesus goes on and says, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, what's the most important thing? Love God and love your neighbor. Love God and love your neighbor. We might not fight today about what's appropriate to eat, but we do fight with our friends, our family, our church. We fight with people. And so often I think those fights come down to we want what we want, and somebody else feels like they're trying to take that from us. We want to do what we want. We don't want to be limited by what somebody else needs. We'd rather sacrifice this posture of one another for our own comfort. When Jesus answered about what's the most important thing, he said, love God and love your neighbor. These are the most important things to Jesus. So yes, you can do whatever you want. You could leave here and do whatever you want, but if you're choosing to love God, You're choosing to submit your will to his, which means your actions have to fall in line with the limits God has placed on them. And one of those teachings of Jesus that puts those boundaries in place for us is love your neighbor as yourself. So when you love God and you submit to God, God says you need to set aside your selfishness and love other people sacrificially. The limit to your freedom is love. We're going to stop there for today. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this teaching from Romans, and we thank you that it gives us some hope, God, that the same problems the early church faced, we deal with too, and so these words just come alive for us even so much later. Help us today to have the courage to love other people the way that you love us, that instead of just saying, what do I want and what am I allowed to do? that we would look at the limits of the people around us and meet them there. God, help us to be a little more like you and a little less like us and keep changing us every day because, God, we do submit our lives to you. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.